This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Vinnie Merchandani, author of SAP Nation 3.0. As the pandemic was starting to hit the US, you had already seen that in Europe. And- I started here healthcare heroics, but I was also starting to hear of a lot of business heroics, either scaling up or scaling down or innovating quickly or pivoting quickly has required heroics. And I was so glad to talk to these executives because the media is not giving them much attention. The media is so focused on all the negative stories that yeah, true. unfortunately these business executives are not getting enough attention. I wanted to get their word out of all the things that they're doing, which you know, deserve to be saluted. This is Vinny. He has become a regular guest on my podcast. In fact, it was only seven months ago when we discussed a decade in review. He's the founder of Deal Architect, a technology strategy and negotiation firm listed as the leading boutique by the Black Book of Outsourcing. Earlier in his career, he had various technology consulting roles at PwC in the US, Europe and Asia. And he worked as an industry analyst at Gartner. He wrote various books about the evolution and the future of enterprise software, amongst which Silicon Collar, New Polymath, The New Technology Elite, and SAP 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. Other than that, he's an inspiring blogger and always curious about innovation. In fact, he has recently conducted close to 50 interviews with tech entrepreneurs and changemakers from around the world about how they have stepped up to make a difference in this global pandemic. And that's exactly what triggered me to invite him again to my podcast. We explore some of the most inspiring examples that Vinny has uncovered and what we can learn from this in terms of leadership, innovation, entrepreneurship, and our ability to drive meaningful change. And by listening to this podcast, you will learn three things. Firstly, how to pivot 180 degree overnight and turn a 90% drop in revenue back into growth again. Secondly, that the art of creating momentum is about two things relevancy and creating a sense of urgency. Let's not forget that after this pandemic. It's what marketing should be all about. And thirdly, that opportunities for innovation are plentiful. We just need to establish an eye for it and act. Hi, Vinny. Welcome back on my podcast again. I think this is number four. Oh my God, Tan. Aren't you tired of me? (laughs) 
as long as you keep coming up with valuable topics, I never get tired of you. And yeah, we should, we should do this every quarter. <laughs> I'd love to start charging you. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Possibly. Well, maybe we make this a subscription for people to, uh, to, get, to get real value from it. And I, li- I like that we'll idea. See. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you approached me with a number of things you were doing and yeah, that triggered this call. I've been amazed. I mean, I thought I was doing a lot of work on sharing value with the world about what tech entrepreneurs are doing to, uh, to transform industries and transform categories once per week. You did 40 interviews during this past couple of months, sometimes every, every day. And I mean, I want to use this half hour to dig into that. So yeah, look into the essence of what, what you have learned from all these interviews. So what, is, what is one of the biggest key, key takeaways that you've gotten from this? Sure. Let me give you some context. So it started around March. I was seeing a lot of healthcare heroics, right, as, as the pandemic was starting to hit the U.S. You had already seen that in Europe. But I was starting to hear healthcare heroics, but I was also starting to hear of a lot of business heroics, but the media wasn't paying any attention to them. You know, things like auto companies jumping in to make ventilators. Yeah. 3M quadrupling their N95 mass production. Banks writing 4 million loans in the U.S., PPP loans for emergency small businesses. So I started calling different executives and I, and I said, you're surely not sitting around. Tell me what you're doing. Oh, my God. Just opened up the floodgates. People started telling me about what they were doing or what their portfolio companies were doing, what they had heard from their customers. So much has gone on in the last two months, either scaling massively upwards or scaling downwards, because not everyone's been doing well, right? So like Delta, for example, talked about scaling down. They had to issue a billion and a half dollars in refunds like in a couple of weeks. They had to renegotiate leases in a couple of weeks, right? On the other hand, I heard so many positive upward scaling. So a local bank president told me, he said, you know, in two months, our loan volume went up 25%. That usually takes us five years to do. Really? Yeah. In two months, he did that, right? Because if the PPP loan, when it was announced, it was a massive interest in small businesses. And the big banks played games or just weren't moving quick enough. So the community banks got a chance to get in and offer that service. Okay. Yeah. I've heard from, I mean, just countless companies in terms of, I heard from a VC who talked about his, one of his portfolio companies. They sell healthy salads and other snacks through kiosks. Uh-huh. And they had set them up in airports and corporate cafeterias. Well, with travel dying, he should have really laid off 80%, 90% of his staff. Instead, he took the same product and he went to hospitals and they were like, oh my God, I'm so glad you're here. And he went to schools that were still open and they said, oh my God, we're so happy you're here because our catering service has gone away, right? So he's managed to get, he managed to get 85% of his revenues back within a month, right? So plenty of examples of what I'm yeah. calling heroics because either scaling up or scaling down or innovating quickly or pivoting quickly has required heroics. And I was so glad to talk to these executives because the media is not giving them much attention. At least in the US, the media is so focused on all the negative stories that yeah, true. unfortunately these business executives are not getting enough attention. Not that they have time to talk to the media, but 
I wanted to get their word out of all the things that they're doing, which you know deserve to be saluted. Yeah, true. I mean, at the end, it's in these companies. Well, pivot. Some you know, like you say, the, 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 uh, the automobile companies starting to create fans. Totally different business model. But at the end, really, I mean, a lot of them have been fundamental in actually getting through this crisis. I mean, I remember, I mean, all the discussions, for example, in the Netherlands with the lack of IC, yeah, beds and facilitation there, and you could see that number getting close in terms of the point where people start have to start choosing. Who is going on a bet? I mean, in Italy, of course, that happened. I don't think it happened in the Netherlands, but it's these are th- situations that, that no one wants to have. Well, you know, the good news is we're a smart. Human beings argue a lot, but we're a smart race, right? Yeah. So we're seeing already in the U.S. People, hospitals have learned to flex their capacity. You know, so ordinary rooms can be converted into ICUs within two, three days now. You know, some of the early drugs are starting to make an impact. I, there's a lot of positives that are happening that sure. if you don't listen to the media, you can get to the positive stories. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot we can learn from this. And that's, that's why I was so interested to get you on this call. So looking at 40 interviews, I can't still believe that that's the number. Have you seen any common threads throughout this, these calls? What were cer- certain topics that, that came up in terms of innovation? So digital acceleration is my two words, right? So a number of CIOs that I talked to describe work from home and remarkable efforts to work from home, right? And they've done, they move, most of the people managed to move their staff and some of them, 200,000 of them within a week, right? I mean, just incredible number of, work from home. It wasn't all good. It'll come out in the next few months because work from home and, you know, families had to be, people had children running around. They had to compete <laughs> with bandwidth with their neighbors and so on. But from the positive side, it's just remarkable how, how well that went. It, yeah. Video traffic, it's amazing the cloud was able to handle that. You know, just True. the Zoom and the Microsoft Teams and so on. Yeah. Digital acceleration at the vertical level. Okay, so telemedicine, one of the interviewees I told me in one hospital system in San Francisco, telemedicine used to be used for 2% of outpatient visits. In the last two months, it's gone up to 50%. From 2%, suddenly it's possible. Right. My dean of my business school, I interviewed him. He said they went from campus education to online in two weeks. He said, you know, it's not perfect. We'll improve it over the summer. But we were able to do it in two weeks, right? You look at all the e-commerce explosion that has happened and last mile delivery and drive-through and all that. Just remarkable. Remarkable, right? So digital acceleration happened a lot. Now, a lot of vendors are starting to say, oh, digital transformation. They're hyping it up. It's not just digital transformation. You have to have physical infrastructure that supports True. digital acceleration, right? Amazon warehouses, distribution centers, weren't invented in the last three months. They've been investing in them for five years. Yeah. You, know, you walk into one of them, it's just an amazing factory concept. The Kiva robots running everywhere. You've got conveyor belts, miles and miles of conveyor belts that are moving past yeah. packaging around. You have AWS that has information on every single SKU 
where it's located so the robots can get it, you know, for the packing people. So it didn't happen overnight, right? Yeah. We, uh, yep. we, we have a chain called uh, Chick-fil-A. The, the, the yeah. Right? They, they sell chicken sandwiches, chicken strips, and so on. They had moved to drive-thru. U.S. restaurants have drive throughs most of them. But Chick-fil-A had invested in two-lane drive throughs Okay, so in this in this three three four months, they've stayed open. But what they've also done is they have moved all their staff outside. Okay, so they walk up to every car that comes up because the cars are lining up, right? Yeah. They come to the car, take the order. One person has a mobile speaker and they're taking an order. Another person comes to you with the card scanner, takes your payment, and then you go pick up the food and you drive off. You could not yeah. have done it overnight. You needed the physical infrastructure. True. Yeah, exactly. deliver, right? when, when we look at last mile delivery, uh, the Instacarts and all that had made the investment in that. So I think we need to be careful. We need parity between physical and digital investments. I'm worried that we'll invest too much in digital and forget that, that physical makes for the experience. I'll give you an example. Starbucks, they're starting to introduce stores that are small, and only have drive-through. You know, the CFO obviously likes that because real estate costs go down, people costs yeah. go down, cleaning costs go down. But the Starbucks experience has always been about, about you know, being able to go in, enjoy the Wi-Fi, socialize yeah. with somebody, listen to the music and all that. If they're not careful, they'll become too focused on digital drive-through and then exactly. they lose some of the other customers. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, that was their, their differentiation point at the end, that experience, that third place, I think they call it. Exactly. So, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, home, office, and Starbucks. So if you if you get away from that, you're going to lose some of the loyal customers who went there for the third place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see similar things here. And what I always what, what always triggers me is, like, what we can learn from this. I mean, you've, you've mentioned already so many different examples, and people sometimes think, Okay, that's an example in health. That's an example in, in, in real estate. That's an example in hospitality. That's not my business. And I think that's wrong. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is wrong because the drive if you look at drive through it started off in the restaurant business. Banks have adopted it. Pharmacies have adopted it, right? More and more uh, hospitals have adopted it in a different way because now there are pop-up clinics coming up and drive through testing and so on. So these concepts can be applied across industries. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and exactly also in terms of how you use resources. One thing that I actually hope, I mean, I'm not, I'm not living in an area where there's a lot of traffic jams, but I used to. What I actually hope is that the traffic jam, the traffic jams will actually go down and they'll stay down over time because now people have realized, okay, it is possible to work from home and to work remote. And I've been with CEOs on the call and the argument was we've never been selling online. We've never... Even even tried, and it proved to work really really well. Sometimes even better. So. Yeah, I've, I heard from at least three of the interviewees that they closed business without once entering the customer facility. Closed the whole business, and a exactly. couple of them said they had done a complete project remotely in the last two months. Right. So those are great examples that I don't think anyone thought possible. Yeah, Not either small, uh, either smaller deals and smaller projects, but. It's a good start. 
So what do you believe? I mean, I mean I'm talking, I mean, my audience at the end is, is a lot of tech entrepreneurs and it's about innovation and about transformation, doing, doing the things that are the people talk about, remarkable things. What do you see? Or what, are you, what have you picked up in terms of our ability to innovate? I mean, because I think we, we're just seeing the, the tip of the iceberg here. I mean, we, we I think, are. And if, you, if you look at the vertical applications that I talked about, telemedicine, or yeah. learning, those have been not the big companies that have done it. They have been startups that have been investing for the last few years that just jumped at the opportunity, right? So I think there are, if you look at in different geographies and in different industries, there are going to be plenty of opportunities. And what companies are realizing is these edge applications can be done quickly. They have to be done quickly. Without that, the business dies, right? So if you didn't have telemedicine, most hospitals would have lost even more revenues during this phase, right? Fast food, if you don't have a drive-through application, you know, you lost that much revenue. So these are very, very revenue facilitating technologies and they better go in quick, right? So that's a great news for entrepreneurs. You can find a lot of opportunity either in specific geographies or in specific industries, go solve a particular pain point. And right now the pain points are very, very high. Just find those. Or or even offer, even even a big company. SAP told me their foreign office wanted to build a site for Germans who were stranded around the world. SAP built them a site in a day, right? Where Where the German citizens who needed help could register and then the German government arranged for charter flights to go pick them up wherever they were, but in a day, right? So it's, it's amazing. The new opportunities, the problem is actually, forget what Gartner has defined as categories over the last 20 years. If you try to go to a category, you may actually be hurting yourself. You have to look for opportunities yeah. that are coming up, that, have, that are no, there's no, there's no, term for telemedicine yet. No three-letter acronym, acronym yet for telemedicine. Gardner will come up with one <laughs> two, True. three years from now. But. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Too, too many well, technology companies, since that's the, that's, that's the audience here, define themselves too narrow and lock themselves in. I mean, I used to come from a company that was in the ERP business. No, we were not. <laughs> but it could really... Yeah, it, it limits your thinking and as a consequence, limits for what you can do uh, in order to make, yeah, to deliver new value for uh, and to see pain points. I mean, or sometimes, sometimes software companies will say, well, you know, I don't want to do a custom project. If you do a custom project for a customer and that delivers value, you can take that to 50 other customers very quickly. Yeah, standardized. Don't be afraid yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it typically starts with a spark. Do it with one, work with them, really solve the pain. Yeah, exactly. If, and if the pain is valuable enough and critical enough, they will be in line for that. Yeah, that's a good point. And indeed, look at, start combining those scenarios from different vertical markets. I actually subscribed to an email from a company, uh, I forgot the name. It's like Trend, Trend Watcher. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. And they gave me an email about innovations that they see from around the world. And in, in just a couple of months, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds database full of it exactly so let me give you two examples right which are still not completely sought so somebody was telling me about J- japan 
right? Japan has is a very advanced country, robots everywhere, highly industrialized. But the business there is still person to person. It takes a lot of meetings, you know, meetings yeah. where they bow to each other, it takes a lot of dinners, long dinners, and so on. It's been a very, very face-to-face sales and business environment. They have moved to video in the last three months. Okay. Their contracting is very people-based. And it has to be in a certain format. It has to be, it's almost like a religious experience when you're signing a contract, right? Well, they're looking at e-signature, right? The whole country is being changed in three months. True. Traditions that have been there for decades, right? So you think that's not going to open up new opportunities? It's just just, a starting point. It's the tip of the iceberg. A lot of things will come from this. Exactly. And and let me give you an industry example. So in the U.S., because rates are so low, a lot of customers, you talk about an industry that's on fire, a lot of customers are refinancing their mortgages. Well, to refinance a mortgage, you have to go through a fairly elaborate closing process. A lot of documents have to be signed. Well, the lawyers are required to witness, physically witness the signatures. And so the notaries who witnessed this have been doing crazy things like they will drive into the customer's garage. So the customer will be in one car, they'll be in the other car next to him, and they'll witness the customer signing. Okay, Or they'll be waiting outside the door because nobody wants them to come into the house and they'll witness from the porch the signing. Now, talk about an opportunity to completely redo that particular step, right? You can, you can have it on Zoom, you can, you know, I mean, it'll require some changes to the laws, but True. it's waiting to be digitized. So, yeah, exactly. Like, like it's you said, ridiculous in the first place, exactly. Thousands of opportunities to make a small yeah. impact. Don't, don't aim too big in this. Well, the whole point is at the end, a lot of people, I mean, everybody has been talking about like some of the digital transformation we've been talking about for decades is now happening in two weeks. And for a lot of companies, it was always like, yeah, well, it's not, it ain't broken, so I don't, I don't fix it. But now that you've seen the difference and you start actually experiencing it, yeah, the norms have changed. So this will automatically, no one wants to move back again. <laughs> Hopefully not. They're like, you know, Tom, I'll tell you this, a lot of big companies are waiting for it to go back. Yeah, well, I think there's going to be some new words in the, how do you say that, the the dictionaries, like Zoom fatigue. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's one thing about work from home, right? Yeah. We we haven't factored the family issues, the social isolation issues. Long-term, work from home is not a free lunch. No, true. We'll have to invest in home infrastructure. You and I have a home infrastructure. A lot of people don't, you know. So, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of issues. But the good news is it can be done. We, we need to not just improve things. Yeah, exactly. So, what are the things? I mean, for me, innovation always starts with, with someone that comes up with the idea, someone that sees it, with leadership. So, so talking about the whole topic of leadership, oh my God. what has been... What have you learned here in the 40 calls? Tom, that has been just just remarkable, the executives that I've talked to, right? Four or five of them mentioned Mark Benioff, 
yeah. without yeah. prompting them. I prompted a couple because it came up in a couple of conversations, but four or five of them said he's been so inspirational, right? And so, you know, when, when I asked them about what, where do you turn to for leadership? Some of them mentioned mentors, right? They've had very good mentors and they've been coached to write how to do in a crisis. A couple of them said, you know, it's their meditation or belief in Zen principles. A couple of them spirituality, right? A couple of them said, look, I've been in the army and, you know, it prepares you for any crisis. So that has helped me. But it's been great to hear them talk about what gives them the resilience to lead, right? Yeah. And I just admire people who can lead in this. Because most of us have been, you know, from time to time feel depressed in this time and so on. Sure, sure. Have somebody who is positive and energizes their team is just remarkable. And I've heard from not every one of the 40, but at least five of them, very inspirational about resilience and leadership in a crisis. That, Can you give an anecdote? Well, this work front, uh, the CEO, Alex Schutman, was a very good interview. And he starts off by saying, he says, you know, really, my first introduction to a crisis was in, I think, in when the first Iraq war started. He says, it started three days before the quarter ended. And of course, our quarter completely tanked, right? He says, that was my introduction to a crisis. And I got some mentoring on, you know, how to deal with it and so on. And he says, you know, that has helped me for the last 17 years and it's helping me now, right? So that was, that was one very good example. Bob Stutz, who's at SAP, said, hey, you know, a lot of meditation and all that. But he said, I spent 20 years in the army, prepared me to be resilient, right? So, I mean, the number of examples, I have an index where I've got leadership examples and, and industries that talk about. So this, I'll be happy to send you a link that, that shows you that. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to uh, make notice of that. No, no, yeah, note note of that in the in the show notes, definitely. Yeah, it's it's fascinating how these how leadership becomes really really important, especially when everything is falling down and we don't know where it's going to end. To keep people motivated and get yeah. the best out of this. A lot of them said mentors. You know, I mean, it's been uh, like Anil Butchery said. He said, "Look, Dave Duffield, my co-founder, has been my mentor for so long. He's coached me how to be cool in a tough situation." So. It's good to see people be grateful to others in a tough time, right? Some people are angry. Some people are afraid. These people are confident. Remarkable, yeah. I think. I, I think remarkable. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it's, it's not only indeed keeping your own people together, your own team, your own employees. But what I've also seen is a lot of examples whereby, I mean, there was just that extra confidence and extra attention to customers. You know, the best, the best you can do in a period like this is just uh, just be there for them and then see how you can help. And and, 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 and your employees. I mean, it's been, the I've been impressed with how well the high-tech industry mostly has handled. You know, Mark Benioff came, came out and said, I'm not going to do any layoffs for a while. Anil Bushri came and said something similar. In fact, he he had some a fund to help employees get a little bit extra. He arranged it mental health service for people who needed help and so on. So people have been very good to employ. The high-tech industry generally has been very good to its employees. I mean, you know, yeah. with all the other pressures you face, having to worry about your job, 
in this time frame is even that much more stress. That's true. Yeah, unfortunately, of course, there's still too many people that have lost their job or, in, or are in furlough with, with no idea when they can come back. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely been a, the, extra, the extra effort in order to keep people there. And, uh, I, I say, I, I, I shouldn't generalize about high tech. I know startups, financial services, in a couple of areas, there have been quite a few layoffs. So it's not consistent, but the ones that have done it right are, you know, are, are good examples. Yeah, I mean, at the end, that's, I mean, startups, I think, is a good example here, simply because they are startup, you know? There's, there is no, I mean, sometimes the products are in still finding their way in, in terms of the market fit. There's the, the runway is a, short, is a shorter one. It is a very tough time to be an entrepreneur in this yeah. environment. You know, I, I was one in 2001 when the dot-com recession happened. And this is much, much worse. So, Todd, I compliment your audience because it's, it's not easy and whatever we can do to, yeah, at least give you comfort. We may not be able to get you funding or customer revenue, but if you can give me any encouragement, we'll be happy to do that. <laughs> well, they need, I mean, look, I mean, we all need a friendly, friendly shoulder so yeah that's true well i mean that's what i've seen in my tribe you know it's these times at the end finding your peers something that's extremely valuable because yeah there are some of these very difficult discussions you need to have and sometimes decisions you need to make in terms of where you go forward uh this discussions you sometimes even can't have with your own with your own people and then to to be around peers that are on a similar path going through through similar challenges that has been very helpful, and I've seen some very good advice and help peer-to-peer. But I think the best advice you're giving is be agile. True. Don't be, don't be stuck in your little moniker and say, I'm a CRM company or an EAM company. Be as flexible as you can be. True. In your yeah. market positioning, in your project delivery, in your R&D, you know, just, just be very, very agile. And being yeah. small, you can afford to be. Yeah, I think that's wise advice. So is there anything that hasn't been said that you still want, would like to add? You know, I've been, you know, as a human being, I've been very, very impressed with all the heroics. I mean, just, yeah. just unbelievable how people have worked their butts off in this crisis, right? On the other hand, I've been disappointed. I mean, there are some people who are, they are screaming, they're whining, they're protesting, not for unreasonable reasons, but... This is the time when we need to get the economies going again, you know? So a little more risk-taking, a little more support of those who are actually doing the job. Let's not make it difficult on those that are, that are working, right? Yeah. So, but for the most part, I've been very impressed with how humanity is coming together on, on, you know, through this crisis. Very good. So just to mention it in the podcast, I'm going to mention it in the, in the speaker notes, no, the show notes. Where can people go to find all the interviews that you've done, all the 40? Well, it'll be, by the time they got there, it'll probably be 45 or 50, but <laughs> we'll send you a link to the... All right, let's do that. And people can click on that and get enjoy all the interviews. Well, thank you very much, Vinny. This was enjoyable again, and I like the insights and, and the conclusions you can take from this. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a period, I think, we're not going to forget easily. So let's get, make the best out of it. Tom, thank you for having me again. And yeah, 2020 will be something we won't forget for a long time.
Exactly. But, uh, you know, I mean, again, I, I tend to be a half glass, half full optimist. So I've found my little source of inspiration, even in this dark days, you know, I mean, the, yeah. the interviews and the passion columns have been, that you've contributed to have kept me positive and yeah. my family has kept me positive. So, you know, that's true. Well, it's interesting. I mean, the beginning of the year, we had a decade in review. Yes. And now we are seven months later, six months <laughs> later, actually. And we can already do another decade in review because I think a lot, a lot more has happened in the last seven months than the decade before. <laughs> that's, that's true. You know, I've been screaming about verticals for the last three, four years and everyone will ask, ah, what is he talking about? Now suddenly they realize, oh my God, yes. <laughs> if we had been positioned for different verticals, we'd be able to deliver value very, very quickly. <laughs> exactly. Well, opportunity enough. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. And this ends my conversation with Vinny. I've been fascinated by the amount of innovation that we have seen as a consequence of the pandemic. It feels like in the past three months, we've seen more innovation than the past decade that Vinny and I reviewed only seven months ago. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. So please share your thoughts about this episode wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you like the podcast and got inspired by it, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, Thank you for tuning in to this podcast again. I had the honor to speak to Vinny Merchandani, author of SAP Nation 3.0. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. questions we've got answers business leadership ownership and sales can be challenging tune into the accelerate your business growth podcast to learn from the world's experts join me your host diane helbig as i chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business you'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas tips and suggestions you need to realize greater success Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.